Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. There is just nothing like knowing your approval, resting in that, being fully face-to-face with Jesus, and just living in this world knowing that God is for you. Amen? I mean, isn't that the most powerful thing? Because then your, your striving is over. Your battle to try to keep God happy is over. Because what happens, it's such a paradox though, right? Because you, what happens is what's produced within you is only a desire to live in a way that is pleasing to God, right? You want to live holy. You want to live in that righteousness. I mean, that's the natural fruit of being connected with Jesus and your value evidenced in the death, burial, and resurrection. You don't want to pervert that. You don't want to wreck that in your heart. This is, this is, what, you're, this is what people need to know. This is what this heart journey, this heart connection with God is all about. It's identity and living from that. Amen? Because your friends and family, they might know God loves me, but they don't know the power in his love. They don't know the, the wholeness that comes when you just let go of everything and you only let yourself be defined by what God, how he sees you and what he gave up to have you. You know, I love, which one was singing? That was Adam and Caitlin. I think it was Caitlin that was singing. Uh, he, he gave it all. He gave it all. And I was just thinking, that was, a very, that was a, a very, I don't know if you can hear me, Caitlin, but that was very personal for me in that moment. It really meant something to me. I mean, he, it's a complete salvation. You know, it's not like he just kind of did a portion of it and left a part of your salvation up to you. He didn't leave a part of your holiness up to you. He didn't leave a part of your righteousness up to you. He didn't leave a part of your deliverance up to you. You know, and I think she said he didn't look back. He was like, we're doing this or we're not doing it. It's all or nothing when it comes to this salvation thing. It's all of me and none of them. It's going to be so unbalanced and so unfair and so unjust. There's no justice in salvation on your end. It's totally undeserved. It's only what he did. Now, does that make you want to run out and sin? No, it's like, wait a minute. I... I want to be more exposed to God because I trust Him deeper now. Now I can I feel safe with Him because He's already taken care of. Now I can let Him into those dark areas, those areas that I was kind of hiding from Him, that I thought I was hiding from Him, that I was really holding on to, and that my identity's still rooted in that stuff. You can go ahead and let Him in there. So you don't have to fix it. You don't have to figure out how to get better. The picture I have in my mind is that your heart has 
roots coming out of it. The only thing that you are to do is to train the root, the beliefs, your thought processes toward God's truth, toward his spirit that's within you. Just like you would train a branch or what do you train? Trellis, ivy or vines or yeah, something. <laughs> You're training your heart, not through discipline, although it is a discipline, not, not a works discipline, but an inner management, so to speak, of getting your heart and set on him, getting your mind full of his ways of thinking. This is why I think it is incredibly important to know the word of God, to know your Bible backward and forward, not because in it you find righteousness, but because you're renewing your mind in thinking the way God thinks so that when he leads and guides you, it's within you to be led. You know, the, the question is not, God, are you leading me? Or God, what do I need to do to get you to lead me? It's, am I thinking in such a way where I'm leadable? I mean, if God were to show up and ask you to do something, would you do it? Well, you think, well, of course I would. Maybe not. Because it might be foreign to you the way that he's leading you. But when your mind and your heart is full of his logic, his words, his laws, and we know that law is not for righteousness, it's for life. When your mind is full of that, your heart is full of that, he's got something to work with. I wrestled for years, and we would do drills and drills and drills and drills and drills. <laughs> Anybody wrestle? I'm the only one. Okay, you, yeah. Drills and drills and drills and drills and drills. Did I mention we did a lot of drills? <laughs> but you get out, out on the mat, you don't think of the names of the move. You don't think of what you're It's just like muscle memory. You just, you just, you just go to whatever's next. So, you know, it, it just shifts this thing called Christianity to it's a way of life rather than a set of things that I've got to do, right? Because religion has convinced you to believe that there is a step, like there's, like there's a sequence of how to be a Christian. Like, like there's a, there's a, there's a uh, rule book of how to live with and in God. It's like, how do you teach a fish to swim? How do you teach a fish to even know what water is? You know, that's, that's like how we are in the kingdom. It should just be natural for us. You know, some of us are worried because we might not fulfill our call or we don't feel like we've done enough for God or we're working these jobs and we think, well, I'm not walking in my call. I've got this job. Jobs are not evil. There's ministry written all over your job, trust me, probably even more so than some pulpit positions. And so we get this thing in our mind about, okay, what am I supposed to do for God? And what am I, how am I supposed to fulfill my call? And, and I, I really feel like God kind of set my, my thinking up for this series, I, I want to start this series this week, and I'm just, maybe for a couple of weeks, just talk about the simplicity of spirit-led living in a real way, but your heart is what follows God, and then your mind can choose to be influenced by your heart or by the world, and you know, we went through this whole Actually, if you would just put that diagram up real quick, Nathan, the, it's the white one, and if he, has, if he has trouble finding it, 
I don't want to go into this particular, t yeah, there we go. Well, he's on it. This is you. This is, you know, and, and it's not that we're trying to define what a body, what a soul, what a spirit, or if you are a soul that has a spirit, or if you are a spirit that has, I'm not really trying to define any of that stuff. It's more so function to, real, to help us to realize God is in us, and he's seeking to influence our hearts. And what we know about this new heart that we have, he gave us a new heart, is that we are to guard it above all else because it affects every area of our lives. Your beliefs are stored in your heart. You think with your heart. As you think in your heart, so are you. What it is that's in your heart that you allow to grow is what will grow out into your life. What you believe in your heart more than, more than God even affects your life in this portion of this life. Because God, it's like a governor. You guys know what a governor is? Like it's, a, it's something that only lets you go so fast, like on a golf cart, you take that governor off, you know, it's wide open. The heart is like a governor, and it's self-limiting in what you let God do through you. It's, it's just really, you know, I mean, that's, a very, that's, that's only one way of thinking what it is, and I don't, I'm not trying to say that God's trying to limit you. It's that God desires to establish every promise in your life but he doesn't want to just show up and magically make it happen because you have dominion in this earth. So he's given us a way to co-labor with him and walk with him and believe with him so that we participate in the increase of his kingdom first in us and then in our lives and in the world. So my point for bringing this up is tying it back to the idea of calling and feeling like maybe you're not doing enough or maybe you've missed it. I think this, I think that the more whole you are in your heart, the more influenced you are in your heart by God, by His truth, the more effortlessly you will walk out your call. See, it's not about what am I supposed to do? What do I need to go to serve? And, and you do plug in. You do find things to do. I mean, there, there is work to be done. We are predestined unto good works. It's not that we just sit back on the grace couch and never do anything again. That's not the point. You become more productive the more whole you are. And what makes you whole is grace from God breathing into your heart. That's what grace is. It's, a, it's an unmerited favor, and it's a divine influence on your heart. And it's capacity or ability. See, you don't know how to live the spirit-led life. So he will lead you. He will teach you. But let's not try to make it an intellectual process. Let's learn how to think spiritually. In other words, being resting in truth, resting in God's ways of thinking, because it's kind of like a flower, right? When a what a flower does, all it does is it turns itself to the sun. And, you know, you don't see that flower waking, getting up and picking its roots up out of the ground and, like, trying to go to where it's supposed to be and do something it's supposed to do. You know, that flower just turns toward the sun, and that sun gives it what it needs to flourish. That's how we are in the kingdom. Just turn our face toward that sun, inwardly, really, and it's developed and manifest within you what it is that you need. And see, I, I realize it sounds like, okay, well, it's really simple, but how do I do that? 
then what? You know, I can hear the, I can hear the thoughts because we want to, steps beyond that. It's like the step will come. You will just naturally flow right into it, and you'll look back and realize, oh, wow, I didn't, I've tried for years to not react in anger in this situation. And all of a sudden, just because I'm letting God love on me, I'm not blowing up anymore. Are you okay with that? I mean, there's like not a step for that. There's not a discipline. There's not a commandment that you grabbed and put into practice and said, okay, now I am not going to react in anger. In fact, you've tried. You know you have. You think about, you can pull that down, Nathan. Thank you. Like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And you get in there like, I did it again. <laughs> well, there's mercy for that. But then there's also grace for the next time so that you are empowered by him rather than giving into it again. So I've just got a few scriptures here that I want to go through because, like I said, this way of thinking as, as we, uh, you know, I'm bad at trying to preach holiday-themed messages, so this is my Christmas message. You figure out how to make it Christmas. I don't know. We'll it's December. Uh, every day is Christmas, right? Um, all right. Romans 8 gives us the principle uh, that, and I'm, I'm not going to go through this. In fact, this is your homework. Go read Romans 8. Pay attention specifically to the areas where it talks about how you are in the Spirit. I'll just give you the clue. It says, the way that you know you are in the Spirit is that the Spirit is in you. It's time to give up the mystical pursuit of trying to figure out how to get into the Spirit dimension to see or to hear or to any of that kind of stuff. It's very clear. He says, this is how you know you're in the Spirit, if the Spirit is in you. There's two kinds of people on this planet. Those who have the Spirit of God within them and those who don't. That's it. That's the only difference there is. And what makes that difference is whether or not the one who has the Spirit, or whether or not they've believed on Jesus. That's pretty much it. So there are believers and unbelievers. Those are the only two kind of people on the planet. The Spirit in you is what makes the difference. The Spirit in you is the source of life. It's the source of wisdom. It's the source of strength. It's, it's the source of your identity. You know, I, I think it's John 14, but it presents this idea that you are now alive. You were dead in sin. Now you are alive in Christ. I mean, we really got a bunch of zombies, unbelievers, walking dead out there. Even though they're, bod they're a living organism, spiritually they're dead. I mean, really, that's the best analogy that there is. And then, then you are alive in Christ. So how do we experience that life, right? Because Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then we think, I'm going to go establish the kingdom, or I'm going to go do this, or some people think... This place is going to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to hide in a hole till he fixes everything. So he says to be, in Romans 8 again, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. Now, carnal doesn't necessarily mean evil. It just means limited to what's physical. If you're just limited to what's physical, it will produce death. It's like you can just kind of use the language of science it's entropy. Entropy is that everything tends toward chaos. 
everything tends toward decay. When you're carnally minded, the only thing that you have to work with is what's physical, your actions, your capacity to make money, your strength to walk in love towards someone. That's carnal. It's not that it's evil. It's just that it's limited to physical strength. I don't want to be limited to that. So to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And, I, you know, I, I, I just, I really work hard to try to break down these mystical concepts that we have of what spirit is or how to be spiritual. And it's like, for me, and I feel like God gave me this analogy, maybe to help me, but hopefully it helps you too. And I've probably said it in here before, but it, spirit is not that mystical place that you've got to figure out how to get into. Spirit is life. You know, it's like there are all kinds of molecules bouncing around this room. There are all kinds of signals going through this room. There are radio waves. There are gamma waves. There are infrared waves. There are kind of, in fact, if we could see everything that's in this room, we'd probably freak out. I mean, really, you can take a radio, set it on the table, plug it in and tune it and pick up all different kinds of frequencies. There are all kinds of waves coming into this room. The light spectrum, your eyeball only has the capacity to see a certain part of the light spectrum, and above it is what? Infrared, and below it is, I don't know, science people. We need John. I know. <laughs> but your eyeball can only see a certain part of it. Spirit is the same way, I think. It's all around us. It's available. It is a tangible, physical substance. It's not just an idea. I mean, think about that. There is a, if, if you will, let me say it this way, the spirit molecule is in this place, and it's ever-present, and it's in you and through you, but it's the kind of molecule that you only interact with with the right kind of vision. Like, you can only see infrared with the right kind of goggles or glasses or whatever. You can only connect with spirit with the right kind of heart. So God has to give you a new heart. You can only resonate with God's spirit if he's made you one with his spirit. Spirit is not some mystical idea. It's a real substance that is life. It is life. I think if you could put spirit under a microscope and examine it, it's life. It's just pure life, pure light, whatever. I don't know, you know. I'm just trying to give a parable here of, of demystifying spirit to bring us to an understanding. It's like, no, it's here. And if I choose to think that way, I can live that way, and it produces life and peace. It's the realm of thinking that I have to be in to experience the promises into my life. And it's not out there or over there or I have to die from this body to get into it. It's around you. But can you perceive it? Jesus said you must be born again to perceive the kingdom. He didn't say you must be born again to get into the kingdom. He said to see it. To that word he uses there is, is the word perceive. Like a radio that picks up a particular frequency. It perceives that frequency and emits it. Your heart has the capacity to perceive the life of God. The work that we are to do is this, renew our minds, and he's given us the source to renew it in so that our inner world 
is reshaped and, and, and just the table is set, let's say, to let his ways manifest in us and through us. That is your responsibility as a believer. Not so much to go out there and fulfill your call or evangelize, although you might be led into that. I'm not taken away from those. But your biggest responsibility as a believer is handle this right here. <laughs> What's going on in your thoughts? What's going on in your mind? What you let yourself feel, what you let yourself think. You are not a victim of your emotions. You are not a victim of your thoughts. They are your choice. <laughs> Regardless of the situation, you know, Laura Edge, you guys know Laura? She drives all the way down from Bremen area. She texted me yesterday. Her cousin's son took his own life. The uh, Scarborough boy just recently, last two weeks ago, 14 years old in this county, took his own life. Can you imagine what those parents are going through? I mean, I mean, let's get real for a minute. You've got people in the Middle East right now whose fathers and mothers and children are being ripped away from their families and tortured until they die because of their faith in Christ. The only hope that you have in a situation like that is to be able to turn your eyes to him, not blame him. Thank God we know that God isn't creating those difficulties to produce holiness within us. Thank God we know that God only has good plans for us. And it's not like he's allowing that thing for some kind of strange purpose. God allows everything that mankind chooses. But, I mean, in the face of real difficulty, what do you do? I mean, it's great we sit in this room and the light's just perfect and you got Adam and Caitlin and Laura and David and, and Sally and everybody else that sings and it's like, you know, the temperature's just perfect and we've got a soft rain happening and we got the right coffee and, you know, you guys are all so nice to each other. It's like it's really easy to feel God in a place like this, right? It's very easy to think, bless God, that's right, God is good. But, I mean, think about it, you know, where do you go when you're low? The, the world doesn't need a bunch of Christians who have figured out how to effectively power evangelize and give all these amazing words, although we need that stuff. What the world needs is to see a bunch of believers who are rock solid in their identity in Christ and with full assurance of faith in him. That's what your faith is. If Jesus were standing here right now, the, the greatest expression of your faith is that you just look at him and you acknowledge who he is. And see, what we know is that as we behold him, we become like him. It, it's just such an interesting... That's spirit thinking. It's like, I don't work my way into it. I, I, I transform my way into it. And he is that life that is transforming me. So kind of around that concept, I've just got a few scriptures here. I'm going to read all of these out of the New Living Translation, which is actually not a translation. It's a paraphrase. 
There's a difference. A translation is they go to the original language texts and they, they translate it from either Greek, like Greek or Hebrew to English. So a paraphrase, it's like they did consider, they consider the original language, but it's more about how do we say these concepts in English to, get, to, to make the concept clear? So you don't read something like New Living Translation for doctrine. You read it for concept. You read it for, okay, this says it a different way. This kind of makes me think about this in a different way. So, but that's, that's the point of this. I just really value the way the New Living Translation presents the concepts of our thinking. So let's look at these. This is just, start, just starting off Romans 12 2. <clears throat> I'll read it. Don't copy. Now, in Romans 11, he goes through this, Paul goes through this big teaching on the Jews didn't believe God, so they were cut off from their covenant. The Gentiles can now be engrafted in because they believe. And if the Jews believe, they're still, they can still be engrafted in. That's really the bottom line of what he's saying in Romans 11. Uh, so then he gets to 12, and he, he's talking about the other Gentiles that are still living crazy apart from God. And this is what he says. But pay attention to just how there's so much focus on how you think, even more so than what you're supposed to do. Now, he does tie your behaviors and your actions to the way that you think. He does address behavior, but it's more so think this way so that your behavior will be affected, and it looks like this. In other words, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. But those aren't laws to keep God happy. Those are things that you're supposed to look for the evidence in your life that you are connected to this source of transformation, right? I mean, we do want change. We do want fruit. We want to be the most healthy plant in the garden, producing the most fruit that birds can come and take refuge. People can come and take fruit off of our vine and be nourished because of what we have, because we are so healthy. You will fulfill your call the more healthy inwardly you become. So don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And see, it's like, okay, so this, this, it just makes me think differently. So what are the customs of heaven? Right? Like, it just that thought enters my mind. What are the customs of heaven? I wonder. I don't know. Let God speak to you on that. Let God transform you into a new person. See, you don't want to talk, take this for doctrine because you actually already are a new person. You're a new creature. You see what I'm talking about? I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of going off topic just to give you a little bit of Bible reading information. You don't want to read this translation for doctrine. You read it for conceptual thinking because you already are a new creature. Amen? Say, I'm a new creature. I'm a righteous creature. I'm a holy creature. I'm a perfect creature. Oh, you said it. You said it now. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's how you become a new person, or that's how you become different. You change the way you think, change your thoughts, change your life. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love that it does this here. So first off, he says, change the way you think, 
That's how you experience transformation. But then it, it's, it, it boils the will of God down to something that he uses three words to describe. See, we've got, and, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to extrapolate doctrine, but this does actually make this doctrine more clear. We've been taught that there's a good, that there is a pleasing, and then there's a perfect will of God, as if there's three wills, that it's like if you're going to church, you're in the good will. But if you're living holy, you're in the pleasing will. But if you're fulfilling your ministry, then you're in the perfect will. You ever been taught that? That's not what it says in the original language. These are three different adjectives describing one thing, the will of God. If you're in Jesus, you're in the will of God. Now, God may have things that he wants you to do that are associated with your calling that are part of his will for you. But your will, his, his will is not sectioned out to you. I don't want to go into that too much. Let's go over to the next verse. <clears throat> this is going to be Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Do you ever feel hopelessly confused? As a believer, did you ever feel hopelessly confused? It's like, what are you doing, God? What is going on here? God is not the author of confusion. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have committed every sin and they're committing murder and they're... No, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. You, in your renewed identity, can still be far from the life of God when you harden your heart and you close your mind to Him. And usually when we choose sin is when we close our minds and harden our hearts toward Him. That's why you stay out of sin as a believer. Not because God's going to send you to hell over it, but because it hardens your heart. It desensitizes you to His influence. Again, the focus that I want you to get out of is the concept of how much He puts on your thinking. You know, we're talking about spirit-led living. It starts with you taking responsibility with what you let yourself feel and what you let yourself think. And we have to build within our mind and in our heart a new way of thinking, but we have this source of life to draw from. We have the Word of God. We have each other. I mean, I praise God for a man like David, this David over here. Say your last name, Orky. Orky. That can give a prophetic word that is firmly backed by the new covenant. I mean, it doesn't send you wondering and chasing and trying to figure out what God's saying. It's clear. It's edifying. It exhorts you. It comforts you. And, it's root, and it testifies of what Jesus did. I love it. I appreciate it. Uh, <clears throat> 19, they have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. So he does deal with behaviors, but he starts with mind and heart first. Colossians, oh wait, there's another part. Uh, but that isn't what you learned about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature. Now that's, that's not proper, that's, it's the old man or the old way of thinking is what he's talking about. You don't have a sinful nature, you have a righteous nature. So throw off the old way of thinking in your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. 
Instead, and I love this, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. You ever tried to change the way you think? You can do it right now. You guys know what Santa Claus looks like? Imagine that Santa Claus is right here. Seriously, look right here. Santa Claus. What does he look like? What's he wearing? What does his hat look like? What does his belt look like? Can you see his belt? What color is his buckle? You see his shoes? Can you hear him laughing? What does he sound like? I mean, seriously, imagine him standing right here. Can you see it? He's hugging me. You just changed the way you were thinking. You just changed the pictures that were in your mind. You even heard something, most of you. It really is that easy. What if you were to just imagine the concepts that are true in the kingdom or that are true of you? Can you look at yourself and see yourself as righteous? Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, and the way you do that is in your mind. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am set free from the power of sin. There is no darkness within me at all. God gives me the power to get wealth. God leads me and guides me into all truth. You know, this is how you put on the new man. You say things that are true about that new man. Let me finish this and then I'll put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The Spirit isn't just going to magically change your attitude. You figured that out yet? You know what I mean? And what I mean by we're not victims of our feelings is that it's an empowerment statement saying you can choose to feel how you want to feel. And the way that you choose it is you let the world influence you and you just let those feelings run their course, which may lead you to sin, may lead you to darkness, may lead you to suicide. Or you choose to be influenced by God, which we know over and over and over, huh? By the Spirit, Spirit, yeah. By that Spirit within you. Does that put it together? I mean, there's always a choice. God is not just going to override your authority to choose what influence you're going to yield to. However, he is ever-present and always speaking and always affirming to you that, that you are his child. That's further in Romans 8. That, that that spirit within you teaches you and affirms to you you are his child. Faith is active. It's, it's, a, it's a it's a turning away of in my focus to him. It's, 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 getting a, it's like David. Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Be lifted up. You know, that's not like just, hey, you're just a little silly psalm. That's like, what, what is wrong with you? Why are you thinking this way? Get over it. Be lifted up. God loves you. That's what I'm talking about. Colossians 3, 
1 through 3 and then 10. Since you have been raised, I love that, so definitive, because you have been raised. Since you are no longer dead in your sin and you are now alive in Christ, since you have been delivered from the power of darkness and translated into his kingdom, since God only has good plans for you and not plans for death or destruction, but to bring you to a hopeful end, since all of that stuff is true about God, and it's like we forget that stuff. We question that stuff. God, we put God on trial all the time. Since we have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights. And a different translation says, set your mind. And another one says, set your affections. So not just, so it's like set your sights, set your thoughts, set the way you feel. Now watch this. On the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. You just imagine Santa Claus. What does Jesus look like? And, it, and, and I don't just mean, can you see the throne room with him sitting on a throne? I mean, can you perceive his authority? Can you connect with the truth of what and who he is? Whether you see something or not is not what I'm interested in. It's can you perceive his majesty in your heart and in your life? Can you think of Jesus and, and be awed at this being that is supreme, that is greater than anything that exists, whose kingdom is righteous and holy and perfect? I mean, who is he? Set your sights on, set your affection, set your feelings on that. You know, can you think about Jesus to the point that it evokes a different emotion within you? That, this is, this is spirit-led thinking or renewing your mind unto transformation. This is spiritual-mindedness. Not that you have a mystical vision and you see the heavens open and you see Jesus up there, but it's that can your heart perceive the authority and the majesty and the power of who he is. Think about these things of heaven, not on the things of the earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And that's the thing. Then you start seeing yourself in his authority. He shares his name with you. You are a joint heir with him. You were raised to that place of authority with him. And now you're an ambassador on this planet with all of that authority in you. Man, I hope this makes you feel something. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Man, wait a minute. I thought Christianity was coming down to the altar and convincing God how sorry I was and thinking that there's really no hope, that I'm just limited and, you know, it's just all going to burn and, and I'm just a worm and I'm nothing and, you know, I'm just supposed to suffer. I don't, I don't hear that garbage in something like that. The world needs to see you confident in who Jesus is. The more confident you are in who He is, the more your life will change. 
and you are the captain of that process mm -hmm. because you choose what you're going to think about and what you let yourself feel in every situation. Develop the discipline of meditating on God, on his word, on his truth, on who Jesus is, to the point that it changes what you're feeling and thinking inwardly. I mean, you started thinking about Santa Claus, and y'all started getting home, get excited about going home and finding a present under your tree or something, you know. I mean, you know, and, and, and I'm not talking about try to have some type of mystical, phenomenal experience. I'm talking about let the truth of who Jesus is be built within you, and it will grow out of you. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for not abandoning us, abandoning, uh, abandoning whatever that word is. Abandoning. abandoning. That sounds like abandoning. Abandoning <laughs> us to this planet locked in our physical strength, but you have literally made us new creatures. You've given us a new heart. You've given us your spirit. You've delivered us from death so that we can live. And we only want to reflect your righteousness and holiness into this earth. We want to be whole in our hearts so that we will walk fully with you because the world is dying to know you. God, we yield ourselves to you. Thank you for loving us. Jesus. Amen, amen.